Hello and welcome back ladies and gentlemen to episode 32 of the Historical Humans podcast. My name is Justin Woods and I'm joined today by my fellow co-hosts Cullen Coleman and Aaron Gilpin. And today we are going way, way back in history about 41 years ago, which is actually fairly recent for us uh, given that we're a historical podcast. But yeah, Justin, are... Justin thinks anything that didn't happen uh, since he was born uh, is ancient history. Uh... <laughs> no, we've had we've had a lot of debates uh, off screen about what constitutes historical and how, what is too recent. There's a lot of debates back and forth, but we're talking about the Falklands War, which is quite historical and not all that not all that long ago. I mean, forty years no. is a while now, but yeah. There are still people alive who were who remember the Falkland Wars. Yeah, yeah, a majority of our audience actually. <laughs> uh, so we're gonna take you back in time to, uh, well, not necessarily a better time, but a time. <laughs> uh, so the Falklands War uh, has one of the wonderful distinctions of being a rather short war, which is uh, typically a very good thing. Seventy-four uh, it... whole days. Yeah, 74 days. It went from April 2nd to June 14th of 1982. Yeah, this is like uh right in the middle of Thatcher's reign, right? Yeah, this is this is this is uh this is Margaret Thatcher. Uh this is this is her Britain uh going up against a rather interesting Argentina uh of all things. Uh Falklands War is the English versus Argentina. They are fighting over the Falkland Islands. So a uh, colony Margaret Thatcher's uh, England. Not is a, it's a, it's technically not a colony. Uh, the British classified it as a as a territory. Oh well, that makes it that is different. The biggest distinction in the world. It is. Uh, it was to them at the time. <laughs> I mean, it also is a big deal to the United States. Still, one of the reasons why Puerto Rico yeah. can't so, be a know, state. It's, te- it's one of the. It, it's one of those things where it's technically not an empire <laughs> if you don't have colonies. Uh, air quotes on colonies I, and, and the whole thing with colonies was the dissolution of the whole colony system after world war one they just reclassified it france did the same thing that's why france has territory in yeah. south america yeah. yeah so yeah uh with the falkland falklands uh for some people who uh you know they're not most prominent thing on the map they're a set of islands about 300 miles east of Argentina, deep, deep, deep in the southern part of the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, The Falklands were originally claimed by the state of Argentina uh, in the early 19th century. That's the first time uh, really human beings or a geopolitical entity that is recognized lays claim to the island. So they are originally Argentinian or Argentine. Uh, That was Argentinian. Uh, Yeah. Argentinian, Argentine. I am I am so tired of just going through all the different ways of this stuff. I do not sleep when we make these things. Uh, however, in 1833, the Falklands had been seized by the British, uh, who forcibly removed anyone who wasn't British from the island, which was everyone. Uh, and uh, ha- and they had just simply from that point onward denied any claim that Argentina had ever been there. <laughs> I mean, that's the classic uh, colonial approach of you just replace. 
Yeah. And deny that they yeah, were there. Replace or if they deny. were there. <laughs> or if they were there, you just say, Well, they happily gave it up. Were they yeah, really yeah. here first? I don't really see them here. Like it's just us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The population yeah. naturally spoke British when we showed up. Yeah. Yeah, that, that kind of logic. Um Argentina uh would uh would press its claim on uh, on the island consistently up till 1982, which is when the war uh, breaks out. Now, the war is kind of an interesting thing uh, um, for two different reasons. First of all, the war has three names, uh, depending on where you are. Um, it is known as the Falklands War uh, to most people. However, it is also known as the South Atlantic War, uh, in some circles, I believe those are largely, I believe it was uh, British and a few other international communities uh, referred to it as that in their time. And then to anyone who spoke Spanish, uh, uh, and, and uh, to Argentina in particular, it was the Malvinas War, because to Argentina, the Falklands are not the Falklands, they're the Malvinas Islands. <laughs> Malvinas? Uh, what does that mean? I do not know. I do not speak in the Spanish. <laughs> I know mal is bad, but I don't... Bad vines? That's Latin. <laughs> I don't oh, know. Well, the Spanish is real close. But it, anyways. Yeah. Um, it's... Uh, well, it derives from... It's uh, double uh, a double take. Uh, it's got up here. It's from... Uh, uh, the French... It's, it's the Spanish translation of uh, a name given by a French explorer, which called them the I cannot pronounce it. There's a lot of vowels in here. Uh, M-A-L-O-U-I-N-E-S. So, Malone. <laughs> you probably don't pronounce two of those vowels anyway, so. <laughs> yeah. Take a few, skip a few. Now you're speaking French. Yeah, but uh, anyway, um, the other reason why it is very... Uh, um... um uh, very interesting war is it's also an undeclared war. Uh, it's one of the earliest. Uh, it's one of the earlier undeclared wars in history, and basically what this means is that uh, both sides sent sent their militaries to fight. Uh, both sides announced that they were fighting each other, and neither side was willing to declare war. <laughs> oh, what's the fucking point? Uh, well, so think... what it was was it's simply military action uh, has taken place. It's not a war. It's military action uh what do you call a war then special military operation well see a war requires a declaration <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah yeah see first of you so there is oh, there's a serious mess of cold war politics in here but the long and short of it is um after world war ii with the founding of the united nations and this general seeming agreement that countries shouldn't declare war and attack other countries for the sake of taking land, um, it became very, very politically unviable to be the one that declared war. If someone declared war on you, then you were the victim and could uh, beseech the United Nations and other international organizations for major help, resources, and a sympathy vote. Uh, however, if you declared war on someone, even in response to military action against you, you were still seen as the aggressor, as you were seen as the one 
escalating the conflict. So even though both sides come to blows and are actively trying to kill each other, <laughs> neither side's willing to declare war because if they do that, they lose international support by basically making themselves the aggressor in the conflict. It's very interesting. Oh, God. I was just going to say, I think it's very interesting seeing the modern parallels. Mm -hmm. I was say, this sounds vaguely this, familiar. Yeah. Th th this, th th this is one of the first times that a major power is directly involved in one of these conflicts, not just supporting, you know, uh, one side by a proxy war. And thus, um, this is kind of where we get the framework for a lot of our modern military actions. Um, and other wars that uh, a certain uh, nations have fought overseas in the Middle East very frequently. This is kind of where we get the model for how to handle that diplomatically. Interesting. <laughs> if you can call it diplomatic. Well, I mean, in there terms was no of outright war. <laughs> well, well, the key thing is it's not being dip it's not diplomatic towards the people you're fighting. It's being diplomatic to the rest of the countries on the world. It's, it's, it's how you do it without without making uh, France condemn you as a barbarian. Which is not an easy thing to do. Fair. I mean, it's France. <laughs> yeah, France is... Uh, but, uh, but, in, but, uh... Yeah, it's just, it's interesting seeing a lot of the modern parallels. You Like you said, it's the framework for it. It's the precursor. But now yeah. we see a lot of these policies in action... And you hear mm -hmm. the words a lot of, like, aggressor nation, and you see the military support that's being offered and given now, and it's kind of interesting to see, like, how this could have mm -hmm. been, potentially. Yeah, yeah and uh, with, uh, with the Cold War going on in 1982, if a major Western power, a major NATO power, a member of the UN, uh, you know, permanent, you know, permanent member of the UN Council were to declare war on a, um, you know, former colonial nation, even though it's not a nation they colonized, uh, you can imagine the entire Eastern Bloc would jump in on it for a, com for a total feeding frenzy of the West is imperialist capitalist dogs who want to uh, destroy your lands. Come join the Communist Party. There would be major propaganda boons against that. And... Uh, Britain is governed by Margaret Thatcher at this time, who, um, for all her iron, uh, for all for all for all her being, you know, what the Iron Lady and whatnot, <laughs> um, if there's one thing she hates most, it's communism. Oh yes, the, the so, ultimate British girl boss of the 20th century. Not to mention, uh, <laughs> like like we talked about earlier, this is kind of the last hurrah of British colonialism because it's an overseas holding of theirs. Well, maybe yeah. not a colony in name, a colony mm -hmm. in practice. Mm -hmm. And you you see Argentina trying to claim it. Like, it's a different story because it wasn't like an independence, a battle for independence, but it just mm -hmm. territorialism. Yeah, yeah it was, well, the, the war was basically being fought over who has the legitimate claim to the island. The island doesn't really have... Uh, uh, you know, native inhabitants here at this point. Uh, I'm not sure it ever actually did. Um, even the British, when they are governing it, don't really have much of a presence on the island. It's not very hospitable to human life. So, um, 
you know, it's basically which nation has the better claim of it. Argentina has the claim of we were here first, and Britain had the claim of might makes right. <laughs> All right, so what happened in Argentina that made them finally say, you know, we're going to try and we're just going to try and claim it? Uh, so that would be uh, the Argentine, uh, Arge Argentinian president, and I stress president with heavy air quotes here, uh, Leopoldo uh, Galtieri, uh, he, who decides he's going to press his claim to the islands by force. Um, and uh, Galtieri um, is a lieutenant general in, the Argent in, in Argentina's military. Because Argentina is run by what is known as a military uh, junta at this time, which is uh, basically which is basically it's a small council of military officers who govern the country in lieu of a civilian body. Uh, the nearest equivalent uh, for this would be if the uh, five-star generals at the Pentagon uh, overthrew the president and replaced Congress. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that would be a military junta because it's not a military dictatorship. It's not one general running everything. It's a collection of generals running it as an oligarchy. It's a military oligarchy. That's a junta. So uh, this uh, junta um, uh, really needs this war to happen. Um, they've done very poorly in governing Argentina. There's been massive economic mismanagement, uh, which has caused a uh, massive rise in unrest. And they're being actively accused by the United Nations of human rights violations. On I've heard this one before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Military governments. Turns out they're not that good at actually taking care of the people they're supposed to govern. Go figure. Incredible. Uh, and so the government of Argentina is really hoping that recovering the islands, reclaiming this uh, ancestral land of theirs that was taken by the British, uh, will boost their popularity on the home front and uh, sort of get them out of all that unrest from, you know, making everybody poor and, you know, abusing them. I will say, too, it's not the big, it's not the biggest gamble in the world either, considering that it was a British overseas territory, and the distance between yeah. that and Britain itself was quite extensive. So, at least from an Argentinian perspective, given their original idea of claiming it, their original claims yeah. on top of the distance and location of britain plus everything that happened post-world war one it kind of makes sense why they would think that this is a good political move yeah. it, it does make sense especially for a military yeah yeah for a military oriented government it makes yeah. a lot of sense especially if you consider uh what happens in 1976 because in 1976 there is um uh, a place called the South Sandwich Islands, nice. and uh, with them there is a place called South the South Georgia Island. Um, and in 1976, the uh, Argentina set up a uh, set up a presence there illegally, and the British did nothing. They were unopposed, and nothing happened for six years. Wow. Um. um there was a lack of the total lack of formidable response emboldens Argentina to sort of try for uh, the Falklands because 
the South Sandwich Islands are located 800 miles further east from Argentina than the Falklands. So, so why didn't they start with the Falklands then? Because the Falklands have a British garrison, and the South Sandwich Islands are much smaller and not defended. Wow. They were simply claimed. They were simply claimed by a line on the map, and so Argentina's like, well, we'll just take these islands uh, because they're there. They're near some of our, uh, you know, some of the routes our salvage ships use, and uh, if nothing happens, we'll just keep them. Uh, and they kind of got to, mostly because Britain doesn't know they're there. Because <laughs> again, there's no British presence in the presence in the South Sandwich Islands. You know, they don't just occasionally send the the random ship to just go check up on it. Like, oh, yep. Well, if... they do, because in March nineteenth of nineteen eighty two. On South Georgia Island, which is sort of the biggest uh, island in and around the South Sandwich Islands, um, an, Argentin an Argentinian salvage vessel is spotted raising the Argentinian flag on South Georgia Island by a British ship. News gets back to England. War. <laughs> really? That's um, all it took? Yeah, uh, basically, uh, the British object to uh, the raising of the flag and tell Argent Ar Ar Argentina to get off their island. Argentina responds by putting its navy on full alert and mobilizing. <laughs> uh, and thus, war has come. Now, when the uh, when when uh, the government of Argentina does get to uh, does get to um, uh, uh, the Falklands. Um, you know, you might be thinking it's you know, it used to be Argent Argentina Argentina's territory. You know, you might think they got a pretty good claim here. However, it's been um a century and a half since there was anyone of Argent of Argentinian descent on the island. So when they get there, they are greeted by a British population loyal to Britain, <laughs> and um. Their immediate response is to imprison or deport everyone. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, is, this isn't looking good for them. Which is, ironically, uh, the exact same response that the British had to finding Argent Argentinians on the island in 1833. <laughs> uh, okay, not looking good for everyone. Yeah, yeah. two wrongs don't make it right. <laughs> it's, it's an eye for an eye all the way through this. And, and uh, Margaret Thatcher has plenty of eyes to spare. Yeah. But to be fair, even like that happens a lot. You see it now, even with like the modern Cypriot conflict. Uh, I don't want to bring up. I don't want to bring up Cyprus in this. No, I'll but say, it's true. A lot of people don't. You're not wrong, but also how many people, or at least how many Americans actually know about the situation in Cyprus too, so maybe we should do an episode on it. Yeah. That's too modern. I don't want to go to war with Turkey. <laughs> Turkey invaded Cyprus, which was full of Greeks. Now it's half Greek, half Turkish. There's also a bit of British there too. Funny yeah, enough. we don't talk about that. No one talks. <laughs> no, it's an island. Of course there's British people there. <laughs> Explain Gibraltar then. Gibraltar's a strait. They have a piece. There's a small piece of Iberia that they own. 
We love yep. our British it's a, listeners, it's an island. but we have to call them out it's, on uh, their conquest. It, it, it's Listen, they're island. gonna make fun of us how we say island. Listen, they're gonna make fun of us how we say aluminum. We're gonna make fun of them going into war. I will. I've been there. I will go back. The hospital. The hospital. The hospital. We're all gonna be in the hospital if this keeps going. But we don't have universal health care. I can't afford it. All right. Speaking of of people who are doing things they can't afford to do. Oh, no. (laughs) On April 2nd, uh, Argentina invades the Falklands and uh, Port Stanley is taken. Now, Port Stanley is the only real settlement on the Falklands and it's held by a small contingent of British Marines. Wait, so is this how Flat Stanley became Platt Stanley? No! <laughs> he was Port Stanley no. before that? Let's <laughs> uh, see, where, 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 where's the eject button for Justin? Is Platt Stanley Justin even a thing anymore? I don't I want so. to find out. <laughs> um, anyway, the troops, uh, Argentine's troops, they take the island without inflicting any casualties on the British Marines. And this is because they were expressly ordered not to kill British people when they took the island. <laughs> because even though this is a military government uh, invading uh, for, you know, a big rah-rah military cause, they know that if they go in and kill English people, England's going to have everything it needs to launch the full force of the British Navy at them. <laughs> Which is still and- formidable. Oh, the British Navy is very formidable. Um, Argentina is, at this time, relying on uh, some rather old tech. They're relying on hand-me-downs from France, America, and Germany, all of which were decommissioned at the end of World War II. I was say, I wonder where they got the ones from Germany from. I, I don't know, yeah. but, you know, certain Argentinian-German grandfathers might have uh-huh. questionable origins. A lot, of, a lot of submarines were German. A lot of Argentinian submarines were German. Crazy. Yeah, I wonder how they got that. <laughs> okay. Tinfoil hats away, boys. We're not going down that route. I, I'm putting um, the brakes on that. Well, don't worry. It comes up It, it comes up later. It turns out the submarines were the most effective part of the Navy. Oh, <laughs> good. Go figure. Very good what? against British. Do they have their own code, too? <laughs> no. Not that I found, and I'm not going to go looking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a day later, on April 3rd, after uh, Port St- Stanley is taken in a relatively bloodless uh, assault, uh, where no British Marines or civilians are killed, which is uh, quite a feat in of itself, uh, on April 3rd, Argentina formally seizes uh, South Georgia Island, the island uh, that sort of sparked this whole conflict. Their military arrives there and uh, lays claim to it formally. And uh, across both islands, Argentina deploys 10,000 troops. And this is where the uh, shortcomings of Argentina's military start to show up. Because as much as they've done a coup de gras almost flawlessly to this point... The 10,000 people that they place on the islands are untrained, recently recruited conscripts. Oh, no. Who are not given, who are not given uh, basic provisions such as clothing, food, or shelter. Oh, no. And, 
<laughs> and winter is coming in a South Atlantic island that practically shares a border with Antarctica. The 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 absolute parallels is astonishing. You want to go into them? Go into them, please, for our audience. <laughs> you know, I, I keep alluding to one of the probably most recent conflicts on the modern scale, if not the most recent, and you, you seem to notice a trend amongst aggressor states that use poorly trained conscripts, a.k.a. cannon fodder, and they don't tend to have the best equipment, clothing, or, like, any sort of preparations, and it just ends up being quite sad, honestly, just seeing the like absolute disregard for human life in those situations well i will say the one thing argentina appears to have gotten right with this ten thousand troop landing force is they did remember to arm all of them which should be a given in the military but surprisingly isn't <laughs> well what's the old uh russian adage you drop your uh gun yeah. where you die so someone else yeah. picks it up yeah. for you know first one man gets a gun second man gets a bullet yeah <laughs> first man dies second man puts the bolt on the gun fires back <laughs> uh yeah. yeah uh so the invasion which is hugely successful is pushed through the argent uh argentina's military uh you know sort of media machine and the war is hugely popular back home it solves argentina's problems it's people are no longer talking about uh the horrible economic situation and the poverty in which they're all trapped but they're talking about the glorious strength of uh of their nation as you know they have reclaimed this uh this you know ancestral uh you know territory and righted you know and a wrong that politics was never going to right. Clearly, a military government was the best government and the only way they were going to get things done. Uh, there is, in fact, crowds gathering at the Plaza del Mayo to celebrate the war. A literal mob forms outside the presidential palace of, Ar of the Argentine government to celebrate said government. Yay, they did There's just something. a crowd of people dancing and cheering, and for once, they're not calling for his head. Guys, are they for coming what? after me? Wait, they're, they're <laughs> celebrating? Yeah. yeah. Ce <laughs> Quick, to the tunnels, Mr. President. No. Hear the chant. They are calling my name. <laughs> Presidente, Presidente. <laughs> Goes full Tropico. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Oh God, yeah. Oh, that's exactly what this is. is <laughs> and we found the video game parallel only like twenty minutes in. Oh, beautiful. Oh. Um, the United Nations, uh, which is largely run by the English in conjunction with England's allies, condemns the invasion because you know why not? <laughs> um. And the British Prime Minister, Margaret Thatcher, doesn't declare war. She declares a war zone around the Falkland, uh, Falkland Islands. Uh, and this is a 200-mile radius around the islands in which anything uh, that belongs to Argentina is fair game to be shot at. <laughs> uh, they have declared a theater of war. Um, now, the 200-mile arbitrary limit... Um, is there for two things. Number one, it's 300 miles to the coast of Argentina, 
So if you make it all the way to the coast of Argentina, you're being, you know, very aggressive. You're saying Argentina doesn't have sovereignty over what is its own uh, water space. It's its own, you know, waterways. And number two, um, this is basically as big as they can get it. Uh, you know, again, without doing that. And uh, because it's the British that declare this the theater of war, uh, that's going to have some very serious repercussions for them later on. I, I do want to interject here, though. And if they're doing it about 100 miles off of the coast, that yeah. also gives them enough room and uh, given their sh their fleet, it would be enough space for a blockade. So you can yep. suffocate their economy and their, their military yep. using that yep. as a non-aggressive form. Mm -hmm. Well, in this yeah, w without way. yeah, w without the war zone infringing on what like the Argent what Argentina can claim as its coastal waters, and with Argentina having the navy that it did, having so much of that space be considered open war theater, it's it's a pretty yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's pretty big yep, yeah. um, and uh, on the fifth of April, uh the British gather their military might and send a war fleet from Portsmouth, England. Uh, the fleet is based on the theory of air superiority being everything. Um, they are looking at this as an island war campaign similar to the American island hopping in the Pacific, where if you dominate the air with aircraft and aircraft carriers, you will... Um, you will overwhelm your enemy and, you know, cripple whatever is left of their navy. You can, you know, wipe out destroyers and battleships at will. Uh, so they center it around just two aircraft carriers, the Hermes and the Invincible. And um, because the British are rushing to respond, the troop carriers, the troop transports for this fleet, aren't British naval ships, but just cruise liners that happen to be in dock <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. the interesting thing about that is that's not that unusual and it's something that every country has agreements with with uh, companies that are registered in their dominion so the yeah. u.s has it to where any it's um called the civilian um we'll find it eventually <laughs> like the civilian navy basically Merc mercantile navy i think where basically, in the event of a war, you can you contract out with these ships and hire them out to be war vessels to transport troops or to transport goods back and forth. And a lot of countries have that with both Navy and with aircraft. So it's kind of a cool system. Uh, the U.S. did it, too. They did it a lot for uh, passenger transit. Like, they would basically... Uh, I think, yeah. I, I think you're thinking of the Merchant Marines. The, yeah, the Merchant Marines. That's yeah, that's, that's the Merchant that's side their, of it. That's their official name, yep. I knew it was something. Uh, but yeah, basically, it's kind of interesting that the British took advantage of this. So all those cruise ships were probably registered in their dominion and were called oh. upon by the government. Well, uh, one, is very one is very British. Uh, it is the Queen Elizabeth II. No! Uh, <laughs> oh, God damn it. And uh, the uh, the second one, um, the second one appears to be in some way Australian, as is the as it is the Canberra. Oh, jeez, not the Queen uh, Lizzie too. <laughs> yeah, uh, this fleet consists of a hundred ships, 
and it set sail to uh, to go retake the Falkland Islands. And um, yeah, it's it's pretty massive, and it's built around again these these two aircraft carriers, which are going to be the limiting factor uh, for much of uh, the Britain's ability to wage war in in the Falklands. Because uh, air superiority is kind of everything at this point. <laughs> um, and uh, at the at this point in the fifth of April, there is a major divide in the international community around the war. Most European powers and European nations support the British. That's a well first almost one. well almost everyone in Latin America backs Argentina. Really? Yeah, that in makes the, sense. Uh, yeah, the only Latin American country to uh, to not support Argentina was Chile, because Chile was currently engaged in military conflict with Argentina at the time. Was it over another <laughs> land claim? Yep, they were disputing the Beagle Channel, which has a series of small <laughs> islands in it, and they were disputing the right to those islands. And they felt that if Argent and they felt that you know if Argentina w wins in the Falklands, Argentina will be able to better press their claim to the Beagle Islands, as you know, Britain is an international power and Chile is not in 1982. <laughs> um, and uh, this actually really does help the British because the threat of a Chilean land invasion into Argentina <laughs> keeps most of Argentina's actual military pinned down along that massive border between Chile and Argentina. Yeah, it literally runs almost the like the entire length actually. It runs most of <laughs> South America. Like their border, yeah, the Argentinian border, uh, the Chilean border. Yeah, it's so, <laughs> so that's why the 10,000 troops that are committed to the Falklands Theater are all conscripts. Because the actual soldiers are needed to keep Chile out. And it's like right on the Andean Mountains, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, I believe I believe uh, Argentina controls the mountains and Chile controls the coast. Wow. Oh, uh, or the west. Okay. Yeah, Chile controls the west coast and Argentina controls most of the mountains. Oh, I didn't know that. I, yeah. I thought they controlled Chile. like a little bit more of the mountains, Chile, but Chile, Chile controls some of the mountains, but, but like all of them. Mo the, the most of the mountain range them. is inside Argentina. Okay. <laughs> like it's 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 not a thin mountain range. Like this isn't like the uh, um, the Appalachians where it's just you know where it's a narrow mountain range. This is more like the Rockies where it's wide. Ah, I got gotcha, it, gotcha. It's not as wide as the Rockies, but you know it's it's got you know. There's, you know, there's many miles of mountains. But it that the border stretches effectively like the U.S.-Canada border. Like, it yeah, just goes it, on for it, hundreds of miles. It, it, it is ungodly massive. <laughs> so, and, like, uh, that's a lot to try and protect and trying to, like, defend mm -hmm. against. So, it was it was kind of kind of interesting. Yeah, so that that's the first uh, that's the first major drawback for Argentina is that Chile um doesn't doesn't support them in this war because of other disputes um, going on. The second uh, major drawback for Argentina is Argentina was banking very heavily on the United States remaining neutral in the conflict. <laughs> um, the, Good luck with that. Yeah. Uh, the basis for this um, appears to have been um, 
at least partially grounded in the Monroe Doctrine, under the idea that Britain is fighting to reclaim a colonial territory. Therefore, um, the U.S. should side against them, as it has done in the Spanish-American War and in a number of other conflicts surrounding the independence of various colonies. However, the United States does not see it that way. Um, they see this as a war of territorial expansion between the Argent between the Argentina the Argentina government or Argentina's junta and the British Parliament. <laughs> and um, the U.S. at first tries to negotiate, but both sides are intractable. Uh, intractable, and the U.S. sides with the British. Yeah, oh, no. it tends to happen because the British, be, be, and that's and that's in part because the British are a U.S. ally that have become very close with after World War II. Yeah, and Argentina is granting asylum to certain people that the U.S. government wants to kill. <laughs> I can't. I can't imagine who would have gone to Argentina after World War II. So, you know, Cold War politics have really kicked in. <laughs> There's a very much, you're either my friend or my enemy mentality going on right now. And Britain is very clearly friends. Uh, so, the U.S. does more than just uh, throw political support behind the British. The U.S. allows the Britain to use U.S. missiles, fuel, and stockpiles on Ascension Island, which is a South Atlantic island uh, featuring a military base by the United States. So basically, they gave the British a refueling and rearming port with three missiles. Hey, you know, if you need a place to crash, you can crash at my place and, like, you know, we got a few missiles in the hangar. You can go help yourself to them. There's yep. Tony like Stark, we'll Tony Stark them... will make you another Jericho missile. <laughs> Seriously, they'll they'll let like the British like do all that for free on on one island to fight over some barely inhabited islands, but they won't give us free healthcare. Come on, yep. Aaron, my um, friend, that's that's why they won't give us healthcare is because they're spending the money on those out overseas. Oh, you want to know something? Actually, oh, here we go. They do See, this not. is why we <laughs> don't. Do this is why we don't go past World War Two here, people. This is why I have my principles on this. How do you lose two trillion dollars the whole way through? This completely devolves. We sound like the British Parliament at this point, <laughs> just jabbering at each other. I'm do you want saying. to be British? Do you want to be British? God save us! No, because on their grilled cheeses they use white cheddar. Oh yeah, that's yeah. gross. Listen, South Korea. It's a subpar yeah. cheese. Uh, cheddar yeah. in general is. But if you're using fight American to the death. cheese, you've already lost. Yeah, so I'll stick with the good old American cheese, but I just want some damn good healthcare, so, damn it. Yeah. Anyways, uh, uh, so the United got States, a place to crash. Yeah, the United States also shares their military intelligence with the British, which, given the United States pension for a little thing called Banana Republics, uh, which is basically <laughs> where the CIA has infiltrated the government of every Latin American nation Literally for the purposes everyone. of controlling their politics, um... Suffice to say, the U.S. intelligence apparatus in South America is far superior to anything the British have. We should do a podcast episode on Banana Republics. I believe oh. we do. I believe we have that uh, somewhere in oh, one of our beautiful. idea bins. 
So like, oh. comment, and subscribe, and stay tuned for that episode, guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yes, another episode where they make me want to kill everyone here because they make me do modern politics. <laughs> uh, um, it is historical whether you admit it or not. Yep. Um, in On April 25th, uh, we have uh, some of our first uh, major engagements in the war. Uh, the British retake South Georgia Island from Argentina. Uh, the island that sort of caused this whole conflict uh, to spiral out of control to begin with. In so doing, they capture uh, one of Argentina's most definitely not German submarines. Please don't look at the markings too close. <laughs> I I really hope it was just like gray spray painted over. I just well, I just imagine it's just it, like it, a spray painted X over the markings. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been twenty seven years. It's been repainted. <laughs> Then it's fine. I would yeah. I would like to imagine it's a very bad paint mm -hmm. job, and then when the sub resurfaces, the paint's like like uh, washing. Oh, off. just the salt yeah. has just washed it off. That's just horrible. Oh, no, it's just horrible. Uh, no. The fourth right crisis. No, no. Um, uh. on and this is where thing and then things start to take a bit of a turn, because on May second. Um, the British make their first mistake. And it's kind of a major one. So you may recall we talked about how Margaret Thatcher declared a theater of war within anything within 200 miles of the island. Mm -hmm. uh, of the Falkland Islands. Well, on May 2nd, the uh, one of Argentina's cruisers, the General Belgrano, is attacked and sunk outside of the war zone. Which means that Britain violated its own declared boundaries for the theater of war to engage in warfare. This really makes you look like a warmonger, especially when you have to balance the politics of being at war at a time where you cannot declare war without major fallout with other nations. That's an oopsie. Yep. Um... Argentina takes this in stride and their navy comes back more robust and more willing to fight than ever and I'm just kidding, the entire navy stays in port in Argentina's mainland for the rest of the war. They refuse to launch any further ships. Jeez. Um, to be fair, Britain's navy is like the best aspect of their military by far. Yeah. And this is, you this rule Britannia. And and this is a this is a hundred ship fleet. So this is not a small fleet. This this fleet probably, um, in terms of sheer numbers, probably matches or outmatches the uh, don't um, say it. Argent the uh, Argentina's. I was going to say not the Armada. Yeah, it, it outmatches Argentina's, and um, it certainly has them outmatched for quality, as most of Argentina's uh, military equipment is hand me downs from 1940 to like 19. 50s uh u.s france and germany and, so they're uh, using cruise missiles while they've got knockoff uh bismarcks basically oh boy basically um Thanks. the uh, argentina's navy is going to spend most of the rest of the war contributing through the naval air force and the rest of its german submarine fleet <laughs> 
I mean, um, work with what you got, you know. Yeah. To be which, fair, German the, submarines were some of the best. Um, which, fun fact, the Argentina's torpedo attacks proved to be the bane of the British fleet for the duration of the war. <laughs> um, they are a constant threat. They do not actually manage to sink any British ships, but there are a number of near misses where torpedoes just scrape along the sides of holes or impact with no explosion. Because, once again... This military equipment hasn't been upgraded since 1940s. <laughs> yeah, but you would hope that some of it would still work. You'd be surprised. And, and a lot of it does. However, the thing is, they're able to scare and scatter the British fleet. They're just not able to hit anything. To be, to be at fair. At least when not it effectively. At least, at least when it comes to, um, like, British, like, munitions, they're technically not built to last. They're built to be fired. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, they're so, not built to last. They're built to blast. Yeah. yeah. Basically, uh, basically punmeister. Uh, so anyway, punmeister. Uh, yeah. Uh, so if these were built in, say, I don't know, 1944, and you haven't fired them until 1982, most of the torpedoes aren't going to work. I mean, you, they had to peel the sticker off first of the old guys that owned it, the previous owners. Yeah. That's I'm stop, sure you stop. can like repair them, but also I feel and, like and I'm sure a number of the torpedoes were newer. It's just you know, part of it is the British Navy is extremely well trained, and has learned how to deal with submarine attacks. So even though the submarine is you know terrifying and you know really scatters the British fleet, it's not able to significantly damage it. I truly uh, hope that the British had an old Navy commander who was in the twilight of his career, like a, a rear admiral that yeah. had seen battles and, like, stormed the beaches of Normandy, <laughs> came back yeah. and was like, oh, we fought these back in my day. Let me yeah. show you kids something. Yeah. Um... Now, if you look here, if you fire right at this spot, <laughs> it completely capsizes <laughs> inward. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know anything about that. Uh, for for that. Um... So most of the fighting is a pitched battle between Argentina's Air Force and the British Navy. Um, that's where most of the fighting comes in. And um, Argentina's Air Force is mostly old U.S. fighter bombers, which possess no electronic countermeasures, no radar targeting systems, and ba basically no electronics of any kind. Were they flying B-17s? Basically, I like I, I'm pretty sure they had decommissioned flying fortresses at best. <laughs> wow, fighter bomber. These are World War II fighter bombers from France. <laughs> oh, wow. So the interesting so, thing is these can be very effective, though, because they're not quite as quick as the modern planes were, nor did they have the same countermeasures. So it basically creates this interesting gap of technology where you're trying to overestimate your enemy and they're using less technology it's like the guerrilla warfare yeah uh yeah and uh these that doesn't really work in the sky yeah uh well these planes prove surprisingly effective and it's oh, it's, mostly, oh. It, it's mostly considered a testament to the patriotic fervor and the dedication of the pilots in argent in the argentina uh air force 
because it's 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 considered how dedicated they were. They're able to take this uh, outdated equipment and actually start winning with it. I'll say I'll give credit where credits due with that. That's some ingenuity, boom, yeah. and skill. Yeah, uh, Argentina also had one key factor to back it to to back um to back up its air force, and that is they had one new military innovation, which is the Exocet anti-ship missile Ooh. it's brand oh, yeah. new in 1982 and argentina's got argentina has exoset to spare <laughs> yeah uh so that is the basis of their war pass however there is two massive limiting factors for both sides air force um that really limits and prevents either side from just wiping the other out for argentina their ships won't leave port which means they're launching at the Falklands from land-based air, air bases on the Ar on Argentina's mainland. This puts the uh, was it uh, this puts the Falklands at the edge of the combat radius for these fighter bombers, meaning that they have one pass at whatever they're attacking, and then they have to immediately about face and gun it for home, or they will fall into the ocean. For the British, um, it's uh, it's almost a similar deal. They are overly dependent on their two long-range, on their two uh, aircraft carriers, which are carrying only short-range fighters. Because the purpose of aircraft on aircraft carriers is to launch defensive measures for a fleet, or to launch a aerial brigade at a target that a fleet is already attacking. So it's air support which means there's no long-range fighter capacity, which means they can't chase down Argentina's fighters once they start running away. Uh, so, real quick, I know you mentioned um, yeah. that the ships wouldn't leave port. Did we mention... I, I didn't really... I don't quite remember if we mentioned why they wouldn't leave port. Um, it, yeah, so it is in response to the sinking of the General Belgrano, which Britain went out of its war zone to chase down and destroy. Okay. And so they just wouldn't leave Egypt. Yeah, Argentina's response is like, it's basically to hold up their hands and go, look, look, they're warmongers. They're war, you know, sort of, sort of like a, uh, sort of like a, a football player trying to get a, trying to draw a penalty. Hey, like, hey, he hit you, me. He's, he's hitting me. Off sides, off sides, off sides. Like when everyone jumps up and points off sides, that's Arge Argentina's Navy's response is to do that in the hopes that this will generate, um, Sympathy. Uh, and, you know, basically anti-British sentiments. <laughs> okay, I got uh, you now. On the international stage. Uh, they keep their submarines out there and their airplanes because those aren't ships and the submarines are more effective than the cruisers. You can't you can't really chase down the submarines. <laughs> Fair. Um, the, uh, um, and what this sort of results in is this sort of... Uh, the fact that neither side's air force can really damage each other or run the other side down, you know, results in a sort of weird pseudo war, where most of the British fleet stays out of Argent, out of the, uh, uh, out of side the combat radius of Argentina's aircraft, and at times outside the war zone, <laughs> unless they're attacking something. Uh. The uh, British also uh, don't 
because they don't have the long-range air support, attempt to set up a destroyer picket line uh, where the destroyers will see the uh, ships income, the, the planes incoming, alert the main fleet, and about face. However, most of the British destroyers in this uh, fleet are not equipped with things like anti-air missiles or radar. Oh, Jesus. So it's visual contact. <laughs> for Just some what, of quite literally a dude at the crow's nest going, Hi! Is that a goose or is, is that one of the planes? Oh no, there's just uh, geese flying through the sky. Just, just, just turn around like, do you hear whistling? Are you whistling? No, I'm not whistling. What would, why would we be whistling? <laughs> Dive bomb. <laughs> um, Speaking of whistling, this is one of my favorite parts of the war, personally. Yeah. On May 4th... Oh, so you enjoy a war. Yeah, but yeah basically, aspects. the British are left vulnerable to attack, especially their forward destroyers, which is where the submarines come in and start scaring everybody. <laughs> and on May 4th, the Argentine Exocet missiles strike the British destroyer, the HMS Sheffield, which uh, unfortunately sinks the ship, but the sailors had a moment that I think is one of the best moments ever, the British sailors start singing Monty Python's Always Look on the Bright Side of Life as the ship was sinking. Yep. Always look on the bright side. Oh, uh, I think that's copyrighted. Yep. <laughs> uh, but regardless, um, you know, on, on May the 4th, the 4th was not with uh, anyone in this engagement because though the British lose uh, the HMS Sheffield, um, the fighter the fighters that Argentina launches to destroy it, uh, between 20 and 30% of them don't make it back. Oh, geez. That's... So it is a massive uh, engagement, and it's actually this loss of aircraft that enables the British to land at the Falklands as Argentina no longer has sufficient aircraft to uh, basically run off the British because most of the combat up to this point has been British fleet makes for the Falkland Islands. Argent Argentine uh, Air Force takes off. They fly through the air. They scare them off with a combination of submarine and aerial attacks. Retreats to the mainland. British retreat out of the war zone. British fleet comes in. Gets chased off. It's this back and forth. But this engagement, there's finally just Argentina is fact is fatigued. They can't launch enough ships, uh, enough aircraft to keep the ships at bay. And on uh, May 21st, the British forces land unopposed at ports at Port San Carlo on the north of the Falklands. Um, and this is actually because of a tactical error by the Argent uh, by Argentina's general on the Falklands. Uh, it was Argentina. Uh, the the Falkland Theater was run by General uh, Mario Menendez. He w operated from uh, Port Stanley. And when he knew that the British were coming to land, he retreated all his forces to Port Stanley, thinking that the British were going to do what Argentina had done, which is mass beach landing at the port and just overwhelm, uh, you know, try and overwhelm the, uh, the only real habitable settlement, the only major settlement that could hold the garrison. Because you lose that garrison, you can't really fight on the Falklands. It's cold, there's no food, there's no shelter. Yeah. 
So he falls back to what he thinks is the most strategic position. And the British decide they don't care about that position. They're going to take over the rest of the islands and encircle him. <laughs> and so they're able to get there almost without a fight. Um, Brit the British also wanted to go for the overland attack because attacking by sea had a higher risk of civilian casualties, and those civilians were imprisoned British citizens. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So, you know, we fire, you know, you fire on Port Stanley. Anyone not in a military uniform who dies is one of your own people. Yeah, it's not a good. I, it's like these a... people were, it's like the people were essentially hostages. I wonder what they were thinking throughout it, though. Like when Argentina came in and imprisoned them, do you think they were like, you just wait till the, till the queen hears about this? You just wait uh -huh. till the queen hears about it. They're, they're gonna come they're, and they're gonna kill you. Yeah, they're, Princess they're, Diana won't stand for this. Oh they're, no! They're, Aaron. Listen, they're 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 Falklanders. Okay, this is southern hem. These are summon southern hemisphere hemisphere Brits. So, um, so I'm thinking a New Zealanders. Yeah, so I'm thinking in a Yankee. I'm thinking a Yankee Australian uh, combo will do quite nicely for them. Just wait yeah. till the queen hears about this. Frankie. Goddamn. I don't know what the Falklanders were like. I really don't. And then next thing you know, just a hundred ships deep come rolling up. Like, oh no. Yeah. Oh, that's gonna be a very weird Tuesday, yep. isn't it? Rolling, rolling, rolling. <laughs> just, start, just start doing the theme from Rawhide as the ships come in. Oh no. Um, So... Argentina's defense had about 5,000 people. And they actually do a decent job trying to uh, trying to hold the island. They respond very quickly to the British landing. And um, it, it takes a, a lot of heavy fighting uh, for the British to wear down, the Ar uh, wear down Argentina. Like, Argentina doesn't oppose the landings, which is a mistake. But everything after that, they make the British bleed for it. Uh, or at least they do their best uh, to do that. They, may, they entrench themselves in every position they can find, and they constantly refuse to give ground without a fight. Um, uh, the uh, Argentina's Air Force maintains its focus on the British Navy in an attempt to prevent reinforcements from reaching the island in the hopes that just if the troops, if if Argentina can keep itself entrenched in Port Stanley, and the British can't resupply their soldiers, the British soldiers will succumb to cold and famine, and maybe bullets. <laughs> um, and this is where uh, Argentina's air force really does start to shine because it takes down, um, it takes down two frigates, a destroyer. A container ship containing helicopters, so basically the land-based air support that the British were hoping for to overwhelm Argentina. And uh, one landing ship that was attempting to disembark reinforcements. They basically hit a troop carrier and take it out. <laughs> well, it's attempting to, like, like it, it's, it's a full D-Day uh, takedown, because it's attempting to land reinforcements on the island, and it just gets blasted. The thing that uh, amazes me, and I know we'll touch on it later, but the amount of people killed and wounded honestly surprises me hearing this kind of stuff. 
Yeah, it's a very intense. It's very intense, but surprisingly not very lethal. Um, the uh, the but uh, back with the Air Force. There's two main failures with the Air Force. Number one, they are unable to damage or destroy either of the aircraft carriers, which means that Britain is able to screen its landing fleets. And because of that, the Air Force cannot sink enough ships to prevent the British from constantly building numbers and resupplying its troops. In fact, most of Argentina's aircraft is lost in this fighting. Most of their most of their planes do go down trying to stop this inevitable advance of just wave after wave after wave of hundreds of ships. <laughs> it's honestly Our impressive ships. not only that Brit that Britain was able to muster that kind of strength, but that they're able to project their power so far away. Yeah. It's almost as if they haven't been doing it for, you know uh, yeah. two hundred years. No. Yep. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. The, the British at that point. The the British actually press on through bad weather there's poor weather in the falklands at this time and they push on through the weather to take goose green and darwin which are two other minor uh, outposts on the island and at, on the falklands an outpost can consist of someone built a hut <laughs> but uh these are two key points and they actually push through uh, a dug-in position on the ridges west of Port Stanley. Port Stanley has some high ridges on its western edge, which, if you control Port Stanley, are a beautiful defensive position. And if you don't, are the perfect place to rain bullets on them from. <laughs> so the British take the high ridges. I've got um, the high ground now, Anakin. Yeah. No! Yeah. And by June 14th, Port Stanley is surrounded on land and blockaded by sea the sub the german submarines and the uh old uh fighter bomber air force in that has been the backbone of argentina's military are no longer able to effectively resist the british in uh in a significant way and general menendez surrenders rather than let his garrison be starved to death and that surrender effectively ends the conflict uh, as you know, there is no declared war, and British and the British have capped with with Port Stanley. The British have captured all military objectives. They've taken the South Sandwich Islands. They've taken the South Georgia Island, and now they have taken the Falklands. Uh, the war is over, um, and the British are celebrated in Port Stanley as all the British imprisoned British citizens are uh, <laughs> are more or less released, and. Uh, they uh, and they were loyal to Britain throughout this conflict. Uh, most of the islanders. Oh man. <laughs> no, because most of the islanders were British people who settled there. I'll say, yeah. I mean, I don't God think they were the willing to learn um, Spanish anytime soon. No, no. These are these these are Brits through and through, and so they the British are celebrated, and um. On June 20th, there's a small contingent of Argentine troops just sort of stuck on South Sandwich Islands. The British remove them. And with that, the last sort of military matter in the war is resolved on the 20th as just basically there was, you know, it took them a week to sort of, you know, let these people know that the war is over. Please get on the boat. 
War's over. Go home. War's mm -hmm. over. Go home. <laughs> yep. Uh, the British capture 11,400 uh, Argent of Argentina's troops. And all these POWs are released uh, to Argentina at the end of the war. Uh, that is the vast majority of the Argent uh, of Argentina's military involved in this war is those troops. Uh, as for the casualties, there are 650 uh, dead Argentinians, half of which died in the illegal sinking of the General Belgrano. Wow. Yeah, ships do carry a lot of people. Not yeah. not that, just the fact that like, half yeah, of them, the so 300 or so. Yeah, the, the General Belgrano was a near total loss. But the 300, that, that, that's not the part that surprises me. What surprises me is the 300 that died in the rest of the war. Yeah. Yeah, that keep in mind that's 300 that died uh when the HMS Sheffield was sunk and Argentina lost 30% of its air force. That's, you know, people that died uh attempting to hold the West Ridge over Port Stanley from the British. Ar Argentina, you know, Argentina was dug in on that island. People died. <laughs> yeah, but that's not a large amount of people like the yeah. lack of casualties in this is yeah. incredible. Yeah, I mean, think... <laughs> it's also yeah. it was also relatively short. Well, yeah. I guess technically, yeah. it, no, was, it, war... it was short. And keep in mind, the war did did begin with uh, the with Argentina having orders not to kill British soldiers. Yeah. So there was a wound don't kill policy going on uh, at the start of the war. Um, interestingly, uh, the British suffered two hundred and fifty five dead. And how many came um, from the Sheffield? A, a number probably came from the Sheffield and from just other military engagements, uh, such as uh, attacks on the destroyer pickets, and most probably from attempting to push into Port Stanley. <laughs> Once again, the ridge line. But yeah, very few people died. Um, all in all, so this war is relatively bloodless for the forces involved. Um, and... Uh, the aftermath, however, has some major political repercussions uh, throughout it. Um, for Argentina, uh, it's the end of their government. Yeah, as and usually because, happens. Yeah, well, and it's not because the British end their government or because the total the government totally surrenders or anything like that. Because keep in mind, the war was never declared, so Argentina is no longer pressing any claim to the Falklands. Therefore, there's no more fighting. Yeah, but usually but, in these instances with aggressor states, they tend to collapse if their if mm -hmm. their conquest is not successful, and you know, yeah. what a lot of people predict will eventually yeah. happen. With, yeah. I mean, it, with, it's also unusual uh, because it wasn't this is a, a total war, not like what we've seen before yeah. prior yeah. to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, is, this is this is not we're not discussing the great cons where it's surrender or everyone dies. <laughs> um, so yeah, the. Uh, Ar uh, Argentina's junta is discredited by its failure in the war. This was its one popular uh, move, was we are a successful military power. We are running a popular war to reclaim territory. That failed. And in, in 1983, so, you know, a year after the war ends, <laughs> the junta is dissolved and civilian government returns to Argentina. <laughs> So it's the it's the complete collapse of the military government. 
the uh, British, by contrast, um, Margaret Thatcher is able to leverage uh, her hardline stance on the Falklands lore into major political success. The, uh, what is it? The, uh, her conservative party uh, wins big in the parliamentary elections of 1983, and it basically ensures that she has a very uh, willing government to enact her other policies. Uh, oh, so she gets to go full girl boss. Yeah. yeah it, it, it really unifies the government under the conservative party for her, which lets her become you know a very powerful prime minister. Which is ironically exactly what Argentina, Argentina wanted. Mm-hmm. But then yep. failed, and then British got to reap the rewards. Lovely. Yep, yep, it's beautiful. Um, yeah, there's a couple other interesting uh, things that happened. Uh, for example, uh, the British were did massive media coverage of the Falklands War, and it actually introduced some slang into uh, into the British language. Uh, Aaron, you were in Britain. Have you ever heard the term "yomp"? I think I think it was mentioned when some of them were going on a hike, like yep. like because there was a few hikes that uh, we participated in. I did one, um, but I think I heard some of the other like the older the older folks say say it. Yeah. So yeah, yomp was a British military slang for a forced march. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, I guess, so I guess they, if they were saying like we gotta go now, yeah, so like, yeah, basically, yeah, basically saying if you know, you know, well, you know, we had to yomp through, uh, through, you know, through the, you know, you know, through those, you know, peninsulas to get to the bridge, uh, had to move entirely overnight, you know, like because you know the media is interviewing these people, you know, so the word yomp would keep coming up as the British are, you know, marching across the entirety of these series of islands, uh. Came, apparently became a popular slang term in Britain, at least at the time. Oh, well. Yeah. Welcome to Grandma's... Uh, welcome to uh, Grandpa's slang, everybody. Gee golly, mister. <laughs> <laughs> well, at this point, it's probably their parents. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Still. <laughs> yeah. And, uh... We have uh, one more... Uh, one more note here is... Uh, so, with... Uh, with this war, uh, the Falklands, the South Sandwich Islands, and South Georgia Islands, uh, they all remain British overseas territories to this day. They are not called colonies, they're called territories. But Britain owns them. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, like uh, I said, this is just another projection of British colonial powers. They just rebranded them. It's the same well, thing. He calls Spain. Well, I don't. I don't know if it's the same thing. I think if you're a colony, you're allowed uh, representation in Parliament. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure about that? Because we sure as hell didn't get nope. that. No, we had uh, uh, uh. Uh, American representation, uh, you know, taxation without representation referred to the fact that um, uh, representation for America was appointed in Britain by Britain uh, on behalf of the Americans on account of how far away America was. And uh, Parliament was often held without uh, the consent of the of the Americans. Uh, 
<laughs> so let's see. So it's no longer the British Empire. It's the Commonwealth of Nations, right? Yeah. Yep. It's uh, no longer can, the Galactic which, Republic. Yeah. It's the Galactic uh, Empire. Which, which fun fact, uh, these islands don't count as members of the Commonwealth because they're British territories. They're not independent nations that used to belong to Britain. They're British territories. It means the Britain still governs them directly. Again, what for? What for? What like what? What's the point of that place? Like, well, like is it a research? Is it like a lot of research stuff that goes on out? Well, out there now there is. There is a well, lot of research out there now, and it's a base point for Antarctic expeditions. Yeah, it's okay. It, it's it's a launch pad. Uh, it's a launch pad for Antarctica, and that's really the only purpose uh, to hold it, other than just what nation ever lets go of land willingly. Well, and again, modern context, they also have radar systems and other monitoring stuff. The Mm -hmm. more you have across the world, the better your data tends to be. So it's just them keeping an eye out, you know? I think if I remember correctly, Belgium and the Netherlands are actually in the process of a peaceful land negotiation. If I remember correctly. It's been a few years since I've seen it. Enclaves? Yeah. We, so like they're like really, straighten out the border. We we we've made it on we've made we've made it an hour here. Do we really want to start talking about Belgian colonies? No, I think that's a great point for us to wrap up today's episode. That's a future episode, yeah. probably. Thank you guys for watching. If you enjoyed today's video, please be sure to subscribe and check out all of our videos listed on the channel down below. Thank you for watching. And uh, before you go. Before you go, everybody, uh, we have one more thing to announce. Uh, please do also be sure to check out Humanitaire Collections, uh, a wonderful new shop we have um, with, uh, well, it's with uh, LGBTQ plus art by LGBTQ plus artists uh, with uh, proceeds going to the Trevor Project, a suicide prevention fund. So uh, uh, be sure to uh, check it out. And uh, if you buy something, it, proceeds do go to charity. Check it out. Thank you guys for watching.